0: Welcome back to The Well Podcast. This is Amber. I hope everybody had a great summer and is getting ready to embrace fall, my absolute most favorite season. I ran through HomeGoods the other day and fall was in full swing and it inspired me to go right home and pull out some seasonal decor. That effort didn't actually happen since I was met with life when I walked in the door, but I did get a new candle. However, The reason we are here is not to hear about my new candle, but to meet our next guest, Sarah Kane. I have known Sarah for a few years, casually, since we did a Bible study together once upon a time ago, just not as well as I wish I knew her. She is someone that every time I'm around her, I want to know more about her, not just because her hair is always amazing, although that doesn't hurt, but she is funny and spunky and has great insight and so, so kind. Her story is unique. She has been through a lot. It makes my heart hurt and ache, and yet it is full of so much beauty. She inspires me so much because through all of it, she is so humble and has this gift of seeing Jesus in every part of her life. I'm so thankful she was willing to share it with us. And here we are with Sarah.
1: So I grew up, um, well, I was born in Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, and I moved here when I was about, I think, eight years old, and um, moved here to um, live with my grandparents for a while um, before my mom came here. Um, so you were in Arizona with with your mom right, as a young child. As a young child, and I was born, um, I'm an only child, um, so that's that's always interesting, um, (laughs) ask my husband about that, he's one of four, so, um, um, I was the only child, my mom was a single mom, um, and I didn't meet my dad until many years later, actually, a couple years ago, I was, met him, um, and, um, so, y'all came to South Carolina from, from Arizona? Yes, I came to South Carolina from Arizona, um, before my mom did. Um, and started living with my grandparents. And, um, you know, I always just kind of knew um, that I was a different child. My family unit looked different. Um, I, was real, I was a heavy child, and I had this, like, big old gaff in my teeth. I was not cute. My mom says I was, but I wasn't. And I had a mullet, too, by the way. <laughs> I had a mullet um it was bad but aren't mothers so sweet to tell us like
2: just what a what a girl needs to hear like even when you look back on pictures and you're like she was lying to me
1: (laughs) so um so I just I knew I I just always felt different because I didn't you know I I didn't look like the other kids Mm. looked because I was heavy and I was I was picked on and um when when I was living with my mom in Arizona, you know, she was a single mom and she worked long hours. And um, I was always the first to get dropped off at school and last to get picked up after care. Um, And I just, I think I internalized a lot of, you know, the kids picking on me and, um, and it was just hard. I just remember feeling just alone and not having siblings, you know, not having... Um, a dad around. It was just, it was hard on both of us. My mom, you know, worked really hard and we didn't have a lot, you know? And, um, so anyways, going. I know I'm kind of going back and forth, but um, then moving to South Carolina, living with my grandparents, um, you know, my family, I still didn't feel like I fit in because my family and it did look different and um, so I was just like that awkward kid and um, so like I said, very early on, just I felt loved, but I didn't feel happy or Mm -hmm. secure or, um, significant, I guess you could say. Um, just, just my own stuff Mm -hmm. I was going through. So, Mm -hmm.
2: Um, And when we prepared for this, you said that middle school was kind of a, a really
1: tough time. Middle school was a tough time. Um. It just is, yeah, it just <laughs> is. <laughs> um, middle school was was life changing, and it's when I really began to, what I say, um, step into the darkness and um. We, I would go to church a little bit. I think people tried to speak truth over me, and you know, I, I would go to. I think I even went on a couple youth trips and stuff. But there was just, there was really no God. You know, there was no God in my life. Um, my grandfather was actually um, an atheist, and, um, and and so it was like he always said that Christianity was was a crutch. That people use it as a crutch. You know, and that's kind of what I remember hearing. Um. and so I realized that I wasn't the smartest kid I wasn't the cutest kid I wasn't an athlete um, and I wasn't getting attention you know for anything and I was getting to that point in my life where I really craved um, that male acceptance and attention that only God can give and that that void in your soul that only God can fill um, but I began to pursue filling that void and I did that by um, becoming, starting to become promiscuous and I made this decision because I wasn't getting attention for being the smartest kid or the cutest kid. I was gonna be as bad as I possibly could. Mm. Sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> I literally made that like decision and the things that I'm gonna tell you are, they're hard to say and they're hard to hear and it terrifies me having a daughter that's that age, um, and knowing the things that I did, the things that I put my family through. Um, Can you? Do you want to talk yeah, about it? Sure. Sorry, you're like you're building this up
2: and you're not saying. No.
1: Um,
2: <laughs> hey, everybody in this room, there. This is a super safe place, and there's no Thank judgment. You. We've talked about Thank that you. before, but it is a hard thing to do. To Say your own stuff. It's hard.
1: It is. Um, and so I, I just, like I said, my mom was, my mom actually was going back to school at the time. In my childhood, I, I would go back and forth kind of between living at my grandparents and when my mom would kick me out when she had enough of me <laughs> and, and going back to live with her. Um, and and I, as I became rebellious, I mean, she was in school um, full time and working trying to, um, make a better life for us. And we lived in, we didn't have anything. We lived in a rough area. And um, that put me in a good spot to hang out with bad people or people that were, you know, not the best influence. And um, and so by like seventh grade, probably end of seventh grade or eighth grade, like I was doing drugs. I was being promiscuous. I was um, hanging out with like, drug dealers, and... And there was... And, for example, there was, there is one night that that I would sneak out of my window and my mom would, you know, come. I wouldn't be... In, can you imagine the tear of going into your 13-year-old daughter's room and them not being there? Mm-hmm. And I would have people come to my window, knock on my window, and I would sneak out, and I would go with them. And this one night... There was, I think there was three people, um, and I didn't hardly know them at all, but I went with them, and, and we did some kind of drug. I don't even know what it was at the time. It had to be, I don't know what it was, but I was completely out of my mind, and I like passed out, and we were, I remember waking up in the woods, and they were like, you're you're going to have sex with us so we're going to leave you out here in the middle of the woods. And I just started begging, like, no. And they started pulling me by, like, my arms and my legs out of the car. And, and I just remember pleading with them. Like, I thought I was going to die out there. I didn't know where I was, you know. And I was begging them. I said, please, just, just take me home. Like, I'll never, you know, I won't tell the police about this. Like, you'll never hear about it again, you know so they ended up taking me home and they didn't even drop me off you know in front of my house that was like three blocks away Mm. and I remember feeling in that moment so unlovable that these people could not even drop me off in front of my house So I had to walk home in the dark and that feeling of you know, you've gone too far. You know, you've got to continue to live this life because who's going to want you now? And and I just remember coming home and, you know, the police were there. So many times I would come home and the police would be there. And they wouldn't, I mean, they would just basically slap me on the hand. But it was like, I just kept pursuing, you know, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. And I would think maybe this time... You know, this This guy will love me or this is going to be different. You know, trying to fill that void and just not caring who I destroyed in my path. You know, what, what I did to my, to family, you know? I mean, I still battle with that. I mean, I would steal, my grandmother was as sweet as you can, anyone could possibly be. And I would steal her car in the middle of the night at 14 years old, night after night. And be off, and it is the sovereign, loving hand of God that I sit here today, and And that I wasn't in a ditch where I could have been and should have been so many times that I didn't end up with a lifelong disease or any of these things that could have just killed me. Mm and i know that it was something way greater than me out there that was that was protecting me protecting me at the time i didn't know who it was or what it was but looking yeah. back you know is yes. is provision and protection over my life grace i didn't deserve that well
2: and you were just looking for that unconditional love and so you moved into high school years and did things stay
1: about the same? Well, um, they did at first. I um, skipped school all the time. I was getting kicked out all the time. Um, but I, oh, actually I had I decided to go on a diet. Actually was, I mean, it was not really a diet. It was more of an eating disorder probably. Um, and I lost about, you know, 60 pounds between 8th and ninth grade. Gosh. And, yeah, I was, and and I um, realized, I started getting attention from a higher caliber of boys, if you will. Mm. Which,
2: isn't that sad that that was like... So you still had the same intention, but you had a better pick.
1: Exactly. The pool got bigger, you know? Um, And I thought, you know, I'm starting to make a name for myself. I mean, I already made a name for myself. But it was, you know, I was, I I really, I liked that attention. I liked, and and I thought, you know, it really gave me affirmation. So even at that point, I began to put, you know, my worth and my identity in my body or the way I looked. And um, that's been a lifelong battle that, you know, God's really broken a lot of chains there. But, you know, from back, from the days in the playground of being called Miss Piggy to, you know, at this point. Um, and that felt good for people to notice you. For, it felt good for people to notice me. And but, and what so you wanted to be noticed for. What I wanted to be noticed for. Um, and so by the end of um, high school, I um, I kind of started realizing I was a loser and that was not cool, to like be <laughs> skipping school every day. And I had peers that were going to college and I wanted, I thought that was cool. Like I was like, I want to live a, you know, college lifestyle. And this is, you know, that's so cool. I want to do that, you know? Well, of course, my SAT scores and my, you know, my grades and everything, there was no way I was getting in anywhere. Um, I'm not even going to talk about what my SAT score was. It was. who actually remembers that anyway? That's not something we're supposed to keep. I know. I mean, I've been redeemed. I need to forget that. Uh, (laughs) um, uh, So... um, But I realized that that wasn't, you know, I I didn't want that life. And so I started, um, and so anyways, I ended up getting in, I was like, well, I can kind of make this like college if I can get an apartment with girls that are going to college and then I'll just like piggyback on them and their experience, you know? (laughs) And so so I did and still like um, searching. And the sad thing is I didn't even know at the time that I was so... That I was so broken. I didn't know that I was so empty. I didn't know what I was searching for, but Mm -hmm. I knew that everything I had tried wasn't working and it wasn't filling it. And this sounds—it sounds crazy—and I didn't even realize this. God, I think, reveals things to us when we're ready to to -hmm. see them. Um, And and so I was nineteen, and um, I met a boy, and. and we were and we were dating and um and i didn't i I got pregnant, and to be honest with you, it was intentional and i didn't even realize that at the time, but I wanted that unconditional love, and I wanted to give it, and I wanted to receive it mm. and somehow, in the back of my warped twisted mind, I thought that Having a child would when I was a child myself would would fill that void
2: yeah and and did it you did you you, you got
1: pregnant did you marry and the so guy? we got married um, and um, at the time we were just um, two broken people, and it was you know not the not the best and and we decided to uh, <coughs> Part ways, Um, and so I was a single mom and, and how old were you? I was 22 or 23. And, um, and, um, then I realized that everyone my age was still in college and they were living the free lifestyle and they were having You're a single fun. mom and I'm a single mom. And I was like, this is not when I thought it would be. <laughs> I mean, you know, I just... Then it was like, okay, well, that didn't work. That didn't fill the void. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I love my daughter unconditionally. I hope she knows this. But it was just... I didn't know what love was. That's how sick I was. Like That's how misinterpreted my idea of what love was. And so I'm a single mom. I I moved back with my... um, Grandparents at the time, and I went to cosmetology school and became um, a hairdresser, and th- just decided, you know, well, this is convenient because I live with my grandmother, and she can pretty much just watch my kid, and I can go have fun and party, and you know, then she'll go to her dad's too sometimes, so I could, you know, live live both lives there, you know. And mm-hmm. how was that all working out?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. Well, that was a hot mess, too. That was... Um, yeah. I had no business being called a mother. Mm-hmm. And I still struggle with that. I still struggle with the guilt from that. Those years. From those years. And I just remember getting to the point that I was just... I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I can't, what is, how are people happy in this life? How are people happy in this world? Like, this is so unfulfilling. There has to be something more because everything I tried Mm
2: -hmm.
1: just made matters worse almost. And I felt like there was no way out. And I couldn't imagine living the rest of my life with that loneliness and without that, that love that I so desperately craved, you know? Mm-hmm. Am I staying on topic? Go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. you're good.
2: Um, so at some point you went to work at, at the gym. hmm And um, you were, what were you doing at the gym? You were-
1: so I was teaching classes at the gym. Um, and going back to, you know, I got a lot of worth out of like, out of my appearance and my body, I thought at the time. Um, and I, I was working at the salon as well. And strategic God was just planting these seeds in my heart and looking back you know, at the time, I wasn't ready, um, but it was, it's amazing to look back and see like the seeds that He planted. One of them was um, one of the guys that came to my classes was a member here at Shandon, and mm-hmm. he um, invited me to church um, with his family on Easter, and Maddie and I came. So why do you think he, I mean, he was just being friendly
2: or was he, did he see something in you when he invited you? Was he like, this girl is, he could see that like brokenness and that you were searching or was he just like, I'm just going to hand out a,
1: there's invitations to everybody? No, I think think it was like, I pretty much had a neon sign above my head. Like this girl is. A wreck, and she is searching. You know, there is. She needs help. She needs Jesus. Uh, and 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 I know that that's what it was because even talking to people now, you know that they would say that they were praying for me, and they would give. You know, they would give me books, or they would say, "I'm like, why are all these people so concerned about me?" You know, yeah. at the time, um, and but he was like, you know. I have to give so much credit to people that prayed for me before mm-hmm. I came to know Him and the power of prayer, you know. Yeah, because I was still so far away. And so you visited church at uh, at Easter. I visited church at Easter, and um, I was like, "Oh, well, that was nice." You know, it was nice to get dressed up and you know come to church and then go about my life. You know. And then at work, I had um, a couple guys. I know this is interesting that they were guys, but they were, and that was intentional on the Lord's part. You know, he wanted to redeem what my idea of men were. Mm -hmm. And there was never a man in my life, besides, you know, my grandfather, but he was, he kind of wasn't very present a lot of times. But there wasn't a man in my life that ever showed me what love was. Mm-hmm. And God used men to lead me almost to Him to plant the seeds, you know, to be used by God. Um, and one of them, he was a was my client, and he was a youth pastor at um, First Baptist. I think was one of them. And then, um, and he was just—I just remember seeing the joy in him, um, and I couldn't figure out what it was, but something was different. And he was always just so loving, but it wasn't the kind of like, I want something from you right. or I'm trying yeah. to like hit on you. No, it wasn't. It was, it was the love of Jesus uh-huh. and it impacted me and um, another client of mine was older and he um, he brought me, uh, he said, well, I'm reading this book. You should read it when you're done, when, when I'm done with it and I said, okay, bring it up here, you know, I need anything at this point, self-help, <laughs> like, um, <laughs> And I, um, I started reading it and it was the purpose driven life. And it just captivated me in the first chapter. And I just thought I'm sitting here in my grandmother's house. I'm 25 years old at this point. And, you know, I I just, I was like, I'm desperate. Hmm. I'm desperate, you know? And I just started reading it and it, came to the point, came to the chapter of, um, of salvation, accepting Christ. And that was something I always said, no, like that's one thing that I was like, I'm never going there because it's a crutch. It's, you know, and, and I always had this opinion about like, I would even think like I would judge people. I would think, oh, she's really pretty, but she's a Christian. So (laughs) literally I thought that, isn't that terrible? (laughs) And, And, um, that's the way I thought about it, you know? And, and and I just was like, Jesus, I don't know what this means, but I need you in my heart, in my life. And I know that I'm a sinner, and I don't even know what that means yet, but I was like, please just come into my heart. And I just wept, mm-hmm. and I just wept. And I knew that I had finally let go of the idea I had of who God was and who, like, I'm releasing it, Lord. Yeah. Just come mm-hmm. in my heart. Mm-hmm. Be my Lord. Wow. And that night, chains were broken. Wow. They were broken. I woke up, y'all, and I know it's sometimes, it's not always like, it's not always so dramatic, but it was. I was a new person, I even woke up feeling different, and so I immediately started going to church with a friend, Lindsay, you remember that, (laughs) you. me to church, Um, and here at Shandon, am I going too much? Good, okay, go, and I'm, and and here at Shandon, and started going to Sunday school, and um, I just was so, I was so excited about this new life, like I felt, I was a, I was dead before, Mm -hmm. like, pastor george talked about earlier in ephesians i was dead in my sin i was alive now i was for the first time in my life you had a purpose i had a purpose it was like somebody that couldn't walk before all of a sudden they could walk and it was like i was running and i was like Mm -hmm. and i was mad if i was late to sunday school which happened a lot because i'm always late (laughs) and i was just like this is what it means to live
2: this is what it means to live. I can hear like the joy yes. in your voice just talking about that. Yes. So there is a you said there was a Sarah Sarah BC.
1: Mm-hmm. Sarah before Christ. He, yeah, Sarah before. Somebody at work named me that. He was talking. He's like, "We miss the Sarah BC." What what was
2: the Sarah BC like? Okay, this Who Sarah- did they know her to be?
1: The Sarah B.C. was she was a partier she was selfish she cared about nobody but herself and, and she she was lonely and she was broken and she was beautiful but empty yeah. and she was just striving in every possible way for love. Hmm. That was Sarah B.C. and then A.D. is a whole different story. <laughs> this girl right here. <laughs>
2: um, but there's Sarah A.D. Mm-hmm. And and you've got a purpose and a, a drive, like something that gets you up in the morning and fills you with joy. And you're attending church now. And yes.
1: and then what happened? So I'm attending church, and I'm just clinging on to every word. And it's, it's like new life to me. And just, you know, just... I remember just reading through, what like, Proverbs, this is so cool, like, this is just, this is all makes sense, like, this is a lot of wisdom I've been missing out on. Well, I was coming to church one day, late, of course, like I said, but God has used my lateness, and, oh, <laughs> and I see, um, he does, this, this cute, this cute boy, man, and he, um, he he kind of, I saw him talking to one of the ladies up at the Welcome Center, and I saw her kind of. He kind of, you know, pushed her out of the way. It's like I'll get this one, you know. And so I said, I need to find a class for my um, a Sunday school class for my daughter. And he's like, My name's David Kane, and I'd be happy to help you find a class. I'm like, I bet you would. <laughs> I'm like, I know men like you, you know. I'm like looking at him like, Don't even try this. We're in church, okay? Yeah. Like, this is not the place this is not the place I know, I, i'm a new girl i am yeah, yeah exactly i'm like see i thought i'd come to church and like you know like and you too no no but it wasn't though it was he was so nice almost to the point i was like is he really always like like he was just so so tender you know even that moment and so um and so he you know gave us the you know Took us to a class. And then, and then I bumped into him a couple times at the gym. And he says that I was like, but no, that was, it was him. That was checking me out. Yeah. And then he popped up on my um, People You May Know hmm. on Facebook. And I'm like, should I add him or would that be kind of weird? Um, and so I added him. And... <laughs> I was like, well he is he is a little bit cute. It's just one click of the finger. It's like, I know. It's just, it's thing. And then and this was like even before Instagram and stuff, so I kept checking my notifications like for two days to see like David Keynes accepted your request. And he hadn't accepted. Oh, and gosh. I was like, yeah. why is he not accepting me? That was like my heart's cry forever. Um, and and but he finally did, and that was intentional by the way. He said that, that mm. was he wanted to make me wait <laughs> Yes. So, you, you dated and so we started your last dating. name's Cain, so yeah. this,
2: this <laughs> has to be a good story.
1: So, yeah, so he wanted to make an honest woman out of me. No, we started dating and the way God used this sweet, precious man 90% of the time to redeem my idea of who men are and what, and that they are, that they, that they do love, you know, that they, that Mm -hmm. he, God just went above and beyond and handpicking this one for me because he was so compassionate, and gentle, and he was who he said he was like inside a church and outside a church. Mm. And I remember thinking, okay, so we're dating now. It's been a couple months and we're going to be intimate, right? No, we're not. What you know, do you keep mean? You
2: waiting. Yeah, Gosh. keep
1: me waiting. I'm like, people actually do that. I know that. I didn't know that was a thing. I really didn't know that that was like, you know, and and I was shocked. And I honestly, it was a struggle for me because I thought that's the only way that I've ever known, you know, what love from a man is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that we weren't going to do it. Was, it was a challenge for me to, but it showed me that that's what love looks like
0: he's
1: protecting it is yeah and that and that you know he loved he loved God so much that he was going to honor that Mm -hmm. and it, it blew my mind you know it was like this is what this is really about you know this is this is really about finding out who God is
2: yeah
1: and and that it's sacrifice and that it's not always to gratify the desires of the flesh. Mm-hmm. And what are what my idea of love was, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was so opposite of what you'd known your whole life. What I'd known.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I thought, Am I worthy, you know, of this? Like, does he want to be with a broken woman? I felt like. But he just Kept assuring me, you know, I, I love you. And we're going to honor God through this. And it's turned out to be one of my biggest blessings. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. It's a beautiful picture of grace. It, it is. Mm-hmm. It is. Because he he redeems. And, you know, I was so, I told you earlier, afraid to just, the example that I told you guys, that wasn't the one and only and there was a lot of other things and there was a lot of ugly things and there was a lot of, a lot, a lot of shame nailed to that cross Mm -hmm. under my name. But if I believe God is who he says he is, I don't have anything to be afraid of to share these things because he has forgiven them. He has redeemed them and that's why i can sit here today and
2: mm-hmm.
1: and just be ever so more much more thankful for for grace in my life mm-hmm. and there's a all right now <laughs> and there's a there's a verse that david and i love because he has gone through some pain in his life with a divorce and stuff And there's a, there's a verse in, um, Joel that, that, um, I had all these things, all these scriptures I was supposed to talk about, but (laughs) Joel 2.25 says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have devoured. Mm. And then he goes on to say, never again will my people be shamed. And he... It's redeemed.
2: Yeah. And so you've had these years, how long have y'all been married?
1: 2012 plus what is it 18? Y'all do the math. I'm serious, I still do this, y'all. Yeah, told y'all I wasn't smart. Um, so like Not six true. years now, and we, um, we have two three beautiful children. Um, one of them's 13. Um, that's David's stepdaughter, my daughter, and then we have a Hannah and Titus. Um, and yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Absolutely. You've I'm got, sorry. you've got little kids in the house and, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's not always easy and no. It can be challenging.
1: Can be challenging. Yeah. And, you know, we, um, my first reality check with God was like, you know, I'm not a genie in a bottle and I'm not here to serve you, mm. um, was when we got married and I wanted to, you know, we wanted to have a baby and, um, and in a lot of ways, I think I was still using that to be redeemed because I had so much guilt in my parenting of not being the mom that I should have been and, and, I, and I wanted another chance, you know. I wanted, and obviously I wanted to have a kid with him too, but I wanted, you know, and, and I, we couldn't get pregnant. And mm-hmm. so for two years almost we tried and we ended up um, having to go through IVF um, and I went through a phase of thinking that it was punishment for my mm. um, things that I had done and then God led me to that scripture um, of the blind man. And it's not about that. Mm-hmm. It's not about your sin. your every And, and your every wish. And your every wish. It. And it's not, you know, I'm not here to just... And so it's kind of like, God, you know, <laughs> this is supposed to be my happy ever after. Mm-hmm. And you're not cooperating with what I want you to do. <laughs> but he revealed to me, like, I mean, and he continues to, obviously, you know, as I learn more and more about who he is. Um, and, and so that was my first kind of wake-up call. And that was, all oh, that was, it was hard. It was, it was devastating. It was one of the hardest things in fertility um, that I... Had and was that like your first struggle as Sarah AD? It was. It was. Yeah. It was. And I, it, it took a while to see the purpose in it too, because I was still kind of a new believer, you know? Mm-hmm. So I wasn't mature enough to... Yeah. Um, um, and so but we, you know, went through IVF and then um we ended up having Hannah. Um and Hannah um I always joke and say that God said, Oh, you want a baby? I'm gonna give you a baby because this child mm, colic, um, GI issues, um, yeah, she's she's been a lot to handle. She's been a lot. We love her dearly, but he was like, here you go. You're going to be so impatient. Okay, here you go. You know. So this um,
2: was in Paul Tripp's New Morning Mercies this week, I guess like, maybe Monday. Um, and it made me think about just this part of your story. Um, I'm going to read a few sentences. If our parenting seems to be working, if our marriages are livable, if our jobs aren't terrible, if our finances aren't a disaster, and if we have nice houses, good churches, and good health most of us are satisfied, but God is not satisfied. He knows that we will continue to need his transforming grace until sin is no more. Mm -hmm. We will continue to need his intervention until we have been completely formed into the likeness of Jesus. We'll continue to need the forgiving, enabling, transforming power of his grace until every thought and desire of our hearts is pleasing in his sight. Cry out for more rescue, transformation, and deliverance. And be grateful that your Savior continues to work even in those moments when you don't value the work that you so desperately need.
0: Mm.
2: And um, you went through a lot before you became Sarah AD. <laughs> but there's still just,
1: it's not it's, it's not, not wrapped done. up with a bow. It's not done. No, it's not. And it's like I was, you know, thinking earlier, like Brooke's been such a, Instrumental person in my life, and God has blessed me with just wonderful mentors, Laura I told you I'd give you a shout out um, <laughs> she didn't want me to, but I mean, just to speak truth over me and to go walk through the Bible with me and answer questions and 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 it really is like the song says like he continues to like pull you out onto the water deeper and deeper and and until you just you start to surrender and it's scary at first you know mm-hmm. i think sarah we were talking about this earlier that it's like you start to realize jesus it's all it's all about you and whatever you want to do i'm going to release the grasp as as scary as it is you know and I, and i'm learning more and more that a lot of times it's through suffering and it's not about getting what i want and it's not about having that child of to fill that void and not about having the perfect marriage because there is no such thing, you know, there's trials and there's, and there's pain and it's, and I get to know him more intimately and more Mm -hmm. deeply as he pulls me out and as we, and as we suffer and, you know, it's been, we, we've had a lot, you know, and my, and my daughter now, my 13 year old, she's um, made the choice that she wants to live at her dad's the majority of the time. Um, which has crushed me. Um, but through that, even through that, he is teaching me so much. And he's just, and it's through the pain, it's through the pain that I feel that we can, we all feel close to him, closer to him. And that's the blessing. And that's the blessing. I'm sorry. I'm like, so You're great. I hope that makes, yeah. Um, nice. So
2: so much of your story is about love and what you understood of love and now what you know love to be what what does Sarah AD
1: know is true about love Sarah AD Sarah AD knows now that she never knew before is that love is sacrificial that love is not I'm going to put in and I'm going to get out hmm. I'm not going to put into my child or into my husband and, and want you to give something to me. Love is a sacrifice. That love is, that it's, it's born out of forgiveness. And that if I can't forgive, I can't receive forgiveness and, and I can't love. I have to love from that place of being forgiven. Mm-hmm. Because I believe the two, I don't know if you can have one without the other. I don't think you can. I
2: don't
1: think so either. And and, and so I'm I'm even still learning about about love, mm-hmm. but I know it's all I know it's all because of Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross, yeah. and it's not anything of what this world
2: mm-hmm.
1: showed me. It was.
2: Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just going to read this scripture because this is true. What's right here.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And there's no love like that one. That's,
1: that's the truth. I mean, that he would pull us out of, mm-hmm. out of that pit. Mm-hmm. Out of, what I say, a living hell and an eternity in hell. Like, just while while I was going that path, while I was running, while we all were. Yeah. He just says, no, little sheep, you're the one that's wandered away. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to put you on my back and I'm going to take you home. Left the 99 for you. And he, I went from being a little girl that didn't feel like I deserved love to my Savior leaving the flock to come rescue me. That's how significant he said I was to him, and all of us are to him. So to wrap up, as you
2: look back at your your life and you have you have two daughters, and you think back to being a little girl yeah. living in Arizona, mm-hmm. what can you paint that picture for me um, and what you would tell that little girl about love? Mm-hmm. What's true about love?
1: That, that little girl there was one night I don't know, mom if you remember you're out there that the, the sky and in the desert of the Arizona night is one of the most beautiful things that you could ever see Cause you go out there and it's like there's no just there's no separation of it, the expanse of the sky and the land and you can see all the stars and it's just quiet and I just saw the beauty I remember, think, I know it sounds deep for an eight year old but I mean, I've always kind of been a deep but I saw the, this beautiful sky and this world and it just was so beautiful and I thought there's something out there and someone out there that loves me, loves us so much. There has to be. Because to see that, you know, I just knew it in my soul somehow. I just knew it. And I would tell her, wait wait for grace. Just, Just wait for it because it's worth it. You know? Mm-hmm. All the pain, all the bad choices, all the mistakes, all the the ugliness, the sin, it's all, it was all worth it to be, to be rescued by grace. So just wait for it. Yeah. Wait for it. And there's somebody out there that loves you more than you'll ever be able to comprehend until that day.
2: And he gave his son for us. Yeah.
1: You are lovable.
2: And you are lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so happy you did this. We're going to stand up and um, just pray to close. <laughs> Thank you,
1: friend.
2: Oh, y'all can stand up too. <laughs> oh, God, we we just praise you for who you are. Um, you are sovereign and you are good and you are loving. And um, I praise you for who Sarah is and this bold testimony and this... Conviction that she has—that um, she's just got to tell everybody what you did for her, that you left the 99 for her. Um, I pray for the women that are in this room that if they don't know you and they heard something tonight that just piqued their curiosity and they want to know more, um, that you'll start stirring in their hearts too. And we—we um, we just we know that you're good and that um, that you love us and that grace and happiness in this world and freedom and all the searching we can do. um, The goodness comes from you alone. Mm -hmm. We love you, Lord. We praise you. In your name I pray, amen.
0: It is so easy to misunderstand love. The world teaches us that love is conditional, that it is something that needs to be earned, that it depends on how much we deserve. And even worse, sometimes the world teaches us that we aren't worth the effort. And no matter how hard we try, we won't be loved. Sadly, some of us sit in this place, misunderstanding love and never find a way out. Sarah's story is so beautiful to me. She was so broken and beaten down from such a young age, and yet she says it was worth it. It happens that way sometimes, a lot of the time, that the surrender to God and the healing comes from the brokenness. Turning over that control to God and accepting His grace and forgiveness, that's where the love is born. She gets it now. Love isn't conditional, but it is a sacrifice. It isn't about perfection or happiness or receiving. It's about forgiveness and about giving, God's love. Is selfless. Thank you so so much for listening to this month's The Well podcast. Please share this with your friends and rate it on iTunes or wherever you're listening. If you have any questions or want to tell us something, email us at shandonwomen@gmail.com. At Come and see us at Shandon Baptist Church for our next Well event. Our schedule is linked on the episode.